Well, Rep. Justin Pearson of District 86 for disorderly behavior pursuant to Article 2, Section 12 of the Constitution of the State of Tennessee. Mr. Speaker, I move for the immediate introduction of House Resolution 63 that it be heard under unfinished business on Thursday. You've heard the motion, probably seconded. Objection, we're on the board. All those in favor, vote aye. All those opposed, vote no. That sound was the moment when the Republican head of the Tennessee legislature, Cameron Sexton, moved to expel three Democratic members for representing their constituents who were demanding gun control laws in the wake of another school shooting. You can hear the protesters' cries of fascist fascists in the background. In these past few weeks, actions like Sexton's have gone on in Montana, where Montana State Representative Zoe Zephyr, a trans woman, was barred from the Montana House floor in an attempt to silence her and her dissent against the repressive trans laws being enacted in Montana. Zephyr is suing for that action with the help of the ACLU. All of these incidents in Tennessee, Montana, and across the country may have people wondering, is this 2023 or 1865? Terry and I talk about how the Confederacy never really died and how what's going on in state houses across the country mirrors some things that happened during Reconstruction, especially in McIntosh County. That's the other thing. I'm such a history nerd, but I think that's the other thing you get from history is you get instructions um, from your ancestors. You get instructions about how to move in these times. And um, I think this is a good point for us to start talking about Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. So we started our conversation in season one, just talking about a little bit about these parallels between, you know, this reconstruction period and like the backlash of that period, um, the backlash to the freedom of, you know, the newly freed enslaved folks who were really just trying to mind their business and rebuild their lives 
Um, I, I just kept thinking about that. And I kept thinking about all the stuff that you had told me about the legislature in Georgia and specifically the kind of um, political power base that was being built in McIntosh County. Um, and the efforts to sabotage that. <laughs> So I know you've done a lot of research, um, but I'm just framing it up for you in that way. And just so folks who may not know, um, you know, what happened in Tennessee, if you haven't heard, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the head of the Tennessee legislature, a Republican named Cameron Sexton, moved to expel three Democratic members for representing their constituents who were demanding gun control laws that would actually do something to protect kids um, from being slaughtered by these machines, these weapons that are really only used for war. Um, And (laughs) it happened again in recently in Montana, there was a Montana state representative, Zoe Zephyr, who was a trans woman she was barred from the Montana House in an attempt to silence her and her dissent over what's happening with all this legislation against uh, trans people. So I was looking at all that stuff from my framework. I was like, oh, here they go again, disenfranchising people who they feel should never have been franchised in the first place. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, I want to start with you kind of giving us those pieces of the sabotage that happened in McIntosh County and kind of how it grew out um, during Reconstruction. Well, again, you have nationwide four, just under four million enslaved people were free. And you have a planter elite that basically starts to lose their minds. They are now encountered with their former bondsmen, uh, forced to, uh, you know, one, they're on the, you have a level playing ground. So everybody is broke. Everybody is desperate for work. Everybody, or income, because again, the, the planters for the most part weren't working. They were delegating and, and building these their wealth off of the backs of these um, enslaved people. So essentially, uh, we have is a, is a conflict in terms of who's going to labor for whom. And this is the, the problem that has basically been passed down generation from generation. We're still seeing these parallels today. And, and it's really rooted at, the, uh, at some of the legislation that's going on uh, that we're experiencing and, and seeing. And when you look at what happened in Tennessee just weeks ago, and then you know following up in Montana, this is the beginning of a trend, but it's a trend that is based on a playbook that worked. It worked very well. Uh, during Reconstruction, especially uh, in the state of Georgia. We are aware that with the first uh, constitutional convention right after the war, the state of Georgia sent about 24 African-American men 
to the Georgia state legislation. And it's a huge surprise. Uh, and it shouldn't have been because at this point you have the, the planters are disenfranchised. They've been disenfranchised because uh, they're viewed by the, the union as traitors, as they yes. should have been. Yes, um, traitors. Yes. They had to take uh, an oath, uh, you know, pledging allegiance back to the United States to regain their citizenship. Um, and, and, and many had this sense of feeling like uh, not only are they humiliated for, for losing the war and now having to deal with uh, you know, African-Americans as their equals, which they in their court just could not wrap their heads around. I mean, it was driving them crazy. And when you look at, say, the historic newspapers at that time, there is not one page of any major newspaper that does not talk about the Negro and the problems and, and everything, which is it's so counter to everything they said about the Negro before. They were like, you know, they're docile. They're, they're so good. You know, they do their work without complaint. Right. We've left our women here. They, you know, they, they didn't violate our women. But then overnight, the Negro, the Black man in particular, is demonized. So um, what I look at in terms of what happened now and the parallels, again, I see the running of the same playbook. Um, with the 24 that were sent to the Georgia uh, State Legislature, and actually, I think about now, I've seen numbers where they've gone back and forth because there were a couple of men that were mulattoes that went back and forth in terms of ethnicity. Um, that number could be as high as, say, 27. Needless to say, they expelled them from office and they took advantage of a loophole where the African-American was granted uh, citizen, well, citizenship um, and um, the right to vote. But it did not say they had the right. It didn't spell out the terms, basically, what this citizenship looked like. And that's what they used. They, they had a whole other set of rules for you. You were not... Um, basically to run for office. And that's how they managed to ex expel them. And, um, you know, they fought hard uh, to to get that, that uh, these rights uh, granted once again. And um, I, I look at the parallel and when I first saw it, you know, unfolding before my eyes, I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go again. And then I, I'm thinking, you know, you have a Faulkner, who, who quotes, you know, the past is de never dead. The past is, uh, it's not even the past. Right. Uh, and that's loosely translated because I'm trying to remember the exact words, but the past is never dead. And here we are, you know, in 2023, reliving the exact playbook that was used, uh, you know, to disenfranchise these uh, first early legisl black legislators in state of Georgia. Yeah. Um, and I just, it's wild to me that structurally the Confederacy is so very much with us. Um, structurally in the way that they're attempting to govern is it's giving Confederacy. It's giving, um, you know, all these courts that people in, the United States like to talk about in other countries have always existed here. The so-called kangaroo courts, the so-called, um, you know, banana republics, like that has always existed here. So when I was watching that unfold, I was like, oh, 
this is just how they got down after the Civil War. This is how they sabotaged Reconstruction. This whole march has just been a sabotage trying to really just grasp power because they really believe that they are like by right, by like divine right, supposed to be ruling everybody. And out here with mistresses representing dis- districts they don't even live in. And and that was done. It gerrymand- gerrymandering, you know, changing the, the uh, districts, basically, uh, you know, uh, redoing the maps, the, basically to, again, uh, say, whiten up areas that would basically or or should just by the sheer number produce you know african-american legislators so all of this is not new and if you you look at this i mean it goes so far as even the year 1877 and in particular this is where the study of what happened in mcintosh should be a lesson uh that's taught nationwide because uh with 1877 it's kind of the uh the the formal date at the end of, of reconstruction and it's uh, it, 1877 is so pivotal because just a year prior we have an election between samuel tilden and rutherford b hayes tilden is the democrat and hayes is the republican and the republicans basically just by virtue of being the party of liberation associated with liberating uh the the enslaved people uh, and legislating at that time um, are the are the party that basically African Americans get behind. Right. Um, and um, you have base and and I need to clarify this now because we still go back and I see now even currently you have uh, uh, Republicans who are essentially conservatives now claiming yeah. a, a stake in the freedom of African Americans when. Uh, the party of today is not the party of yesteryear. The yes. Republicans of uh, this time period are the progressives. They are pushing forward a progressive and liberal agenda. They're the ones that are getting behind, you know, uh, you know, education uh, for African Americans and, and and slowly incorporating them into the American fabric. And I say slowly because again they have their own biases too. Right. And, and here at the the core, that's that's the problem is that you cannot legislate bigotry and prejudice and bias. And uh, that was always at the core of most of these decisions. And um, unfortunately, again with uh, 1877 being so pivotal what happened in McIntosh County is we see uh, basically Tunis Campbell, the community organizer that helped organize the, one of the strongest voting blocks ever seen in the South. Not, you know, pretty much nothing like it, uh, you know, to this very day. But um, he sent to jail. Um, they they finally managed to get him out. You know, he he outsmarted him in in so many ways, and they've been after him for years. But they sent Campbell to jail. You see, um, you know, nationwide, the violence escalates and the legislation becomes even more and more um, restrictive and basically is designed to re- reaffirm the values uh, prior to uh, 
emancipation. Uh, right. Every every bit was designed or focused on getting African Americans back in the fields, working for white people versus them working as uh, Garrison Frazier wanted uh, or had envisioned that they would be given this land, work for themselves, uh, uh, become solid citizens, and exercise you know the, the right to vote. Um, so everything is regressive. And we're seeing that now. We we we're seeing that now. There's there's a both in, in both time periods. It's a real rewrite of history. We mm. see again half of say Confederate uh, soldiers, uh, you know, didn't make it back home, and we see those that have returned home totally, you know, broken down. We have their families now uh, trying to reframe what has happened for their children. And that's the interesting thing because we're, we're hearing this in, in, in schools now about, you know, the concerns of the children and what they're learning. You know, right. they, they have to now be protected from the truth, uh, which at that time, the truth was, you know, your father uh, was a traitor. He, he actually rose yeah. up against, you know, the U.S. government. And, and he could potentially face treason charges. That was the, the reality. But the effort was made to rewrite the history. We throw up a couple of Confederate, uh, you know, uh, statues and, and uh, you know, cling to this idea that we were just uh, standing up for states' rights and reframe the, the narrative. And we are still seeing the same playbook today. You're going to reframe slavery. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, the state of Texas at one point was even trying to, you know, change uh, the uh, the terminology used, you know, to describe right. the trade. You know, they they actually uh, I can't remember the specific term, but the term was. I think they said workers. They were saying yes, workers. Yes, yes, that's the point. You know, it, it, everything to diminish that. And and the sad thing is to openly say that it's not about uh, even to protect African children, which I could I remember as a child uh, the. Uh, 60s and 70s in school, nobody cared how I felt when I was, right. you know, hit with these pictures of, of these these people totally, totally degraded, you know, in the fields and told that they really did nothing to further, you know, African American history, basically. Their story's not worth telling. You know, they were just, you know, captive, they were backwards and docile and, and, and the whole nine yards that we, we've been given, the whole spiel. Yeah. And to the point where you get a Supreme Court justice who is from Pinpoint, Georgia, has absorbed those lies so fully that he is an absolute agent of this system (laughs) of like... <laughs> Confederate gen- audacity. That's what every, I'm calling it. Yeah. Confederate well, every audacity. Generation, every generation and every community, and even in, in families, has, you know, there's, gen- you know, someone will emerge that will take another perspective. And, 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 I, and I really hate to put it this, this way, but it all comes down to what, you know, motivates them and, and the payoff. Um, you know, I, I hate to say, well, and, and, and it's coming out now. He's been paid off very well. Yes, you know? handsomely. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah so. and that is that is wild to me. And the point of uh, 
breaking up the voting block. That's what I wanted yes. to come back to. When you talked about Georgia and this voting block just in McIntosh County that Tunis Campbell had solidified, um, Georgia is still so vital to all things to the point where uh, the former twice impeached now uh, <laughs> charged with I don't know what, whatever kind of crime that he's done was calling up, you know, the, the elector, the head of the board of elections in Georgia talking about find me votes. Yes. That's how crucial Georgia is. And you see Florida, Florida is another spot. A lot of these places, you could basically probably like overlay a map of a, of the Confederate Confederacy on these places now that are acting out. Um, but yeah, so yes, it's, <laughs> I um, just wanted to bring that parallel and have that conversation with you. Um, you know, I always appreciate talking to you about these things and I think folks will notice that we're not going into like a whole lot of detail because I would love for folks who are listening to this, go into your own detail. You don't have to necessarily go read a history book. You don't necessarily have to go read anything. You could just start talking to your family members and then yes. that will lead you to, you know, your local municipality where they keep, you know, the records about property, land, pension records, like Terry is saying, all of this is in everybody's family. So if they try to take it out of the history books and they try to take it out of the schools, the information will always be there. And if, and I would like to have people really think about making sure they hold on to that information if they are so inclined. Um, but yeah, is there anything that you want to say about would, this in closing <laughs> we we are we are living in some of the craziest chaotic and even violent times uh that are that parallel uh in a real scary way everything that happened uh right during you know this this period up until the turn of the century when they actually succeeded in ousting um the black legislatures and and, and proudly mcintosh was one of the last to uh, succumb, we we are the last uh, county to have held to have elected a, a black man, and um, and what is not talked about often, even though there was a degree of success in in pushing black people out of office, the white community and the white uh, legislators that would follow still had to work with the black community to get elected. They were aware of their political clout and power. And even though they could not take the high profile positions that they, they should have earned, um, they still exercise this quiet strength and power behind the scenes. So I, I do, uh, like you, want to encourage people to dig into the records because they are there. They're in the newspapers. You can't get rid of the newspapers, these, these yeah. historic newspapers. It, it's there. It's out there. So whereas you can have people try to remove books, ban them, burn them, uh, whatever, there are so many workarounds. And now, you know, you have this whole vast playground of, of the Internet. I say use it. Dig into your family stories. Share them. Put them out there. Um, 
you are their voice. And um, I, I think that is the spiritual directive that we, as descendants of this, this, this area, um, we've inherited that. That's our legacy. Yeah. Well, Terry, thank you so much again. Um, I just always come out of these conversations just with so much to think about and so much to hold on to. So thank you. And that's it. Thank you for having me. There it is. The final episode of our bonus series. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, just a couple of updates. In the time since we recorded that episode, both Justin Pearson and Justin Jones were reelected to their seats, um, despite the very best efforts of uh, the Tennessee legislature to silence them and remove them. So that is a really great bit of good news. Um, We also talk a little bit about Zoe Zephyr, a lawmaker from the Montana State House. And unfortunately, Zoe Zephyr was not allowed um, back onto the House floor. But in the time since we recorded uh, that episode, Zoe proposed to her fiance, which is beautiful, and congratulations. And um, she has also been going around the country speaking up for trans rights. And I believe she was on The View a few weeks ago. And I think she was just in Florida um, getting into good trouble and fighting the good fight. So um, shout out to Zoe during this Pride Month and our trans siblings everywhere um, continuing to fight the good fight. Thanks to everyone for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to follow Curious Roots on Instagram at Curious Roots Pod and check out our website for more information and learnings about coastal Georgia, curiousrootspod.com. Until next time, thanks for listening again. Converge Collaborative has its own podcast series called Bring Your Full Self. The podcast is a series of conversations that center the humanity and emotions of people of color in the context of their labor, how they generate their work, and survive inside systems of capitalism. The podcast serves the dual purpose of making transparent the process of creating Converge Collaborative and allowing us to connect with a wider community of laborers, professionals, and artists of color. Converge was founded with the belief that work, our connections to ourselves, our communities, and our families cannot be compartmentalized no matter how much our current cultural and societal systems tell us they must. We invite ourselves and others to cultivate spaces that allow us to safely step away from the myth of professionalism and extractive labor practices, to embrace the reality that the intersections of our experiences, learnings, and challenges make us the multitudes that we all are. You can listen to Bring Your Full Self on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
and anywhere you get your podcast content. Curious Roots is co-produced by Converge Collaborative and Moonshadow Productions. Our theme music is courtesy of Makai Beats. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or however you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to check out CuriousRootsPod.com if you want to learn more about what you've heard. Big thank you to our producer, Pat McMahon. My deepest gratitude to Mr. Wilson Moran and to the community of Harris Neck. Big thank yous to Terry Ward and Adolphus Armstrong of Ujima's Genealogy. And thank you to my relatives who are now with the ancestors, especially Miss Mary Moran and my grandmother, Margaret Baston White. Thank you all for listening to Curious Roots. <laughs>